Turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. It's plain when you get looking in Scripture that your heart is important to God. Scripture has a lot to say about your heart. God has a lot to say about your heart. And, and that's really what we're digging into over these, uh, over these weeks here in February. Well, your heart is important. And last week we talked about giving our hearts. The fact that we're to devote our hearts to the Lord, give our hearts to the Lord. Remember last week we talked about uh, it sounds easy. We could just say, okay, folks, give your heart to God, and you all put your thumbs up, and we, we go for lunch. If it was that easy, uh, I don't think Scripture would spend so much time talking about it. In the same way that devoted heart is something that we have to work at. There's this ongoing struggle to devote our hearts to the Lord. Last week, we talked about Solomon. And I want us to pick up where we left off last week. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3, it says there that Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David. You see, this did, didn't come naturally to Solomon. This was something that was modeled for him. We know David, King David, is a man after God's own heart. Solomon was King David's son, and so he saw this modeled throughout his life, that David's heart was turned to the Lord. David's heart was committed to the Lord. David's heart was devoted to the Lord, so much so that much of his writings, the Psalms, the, the songs that he wrote reflected that intimacy. And so here, we're told that Solomon did the same thing. Solomon started to knit his heart with God's heart, give God his full devotion. And as a result, when given the opportunity to request anything he desires, so David passes on, Solomon takes the throne, and, and a word comes from the Lord, anything you want, you'll be given. It's kind of like the genie in the bottle, but nothing like the genie in the bottle. It's you get whatever you want, whatever you desire, just name it, Solomon. And instead of going for his will and his desires and his wants, Solomon was so tuned into God, he looked to God's will, God's desire, and God's wants. Take a look at 1 Kings 3 verse 9. This is Solomon's prayer. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right or wrong. You get that he, he could have asked for anything, and yet here he's asking for a discerning heart. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? He's saying, God, may my heart be connected to your heart. Would my will be your will? Would my desires, God, be your desires? And give me wisdom. Give me wisdom to understand that. And to understand your heart. To lead and to discern. And to understand what is right and what is wrong. To have an under, understanding heart. To love you, Lord. And to follow you. And so everything's going great. Solomon is successful. The proof of his, of his dedication to God is, is evident all throughout the kingdom. And then something happens. Take a look at 1 Kings chapter 11. You ever been clipping along just fine and then something happens? 
I think I told you a number of years ago, we used to uh, uh, make these go-karts uh, when we were kids, and, and uh, they weren't like these really cool high-tech go-karts that you buy at the store. Nowadays, you just make them out of scrap wood, and you, and you get wheels off of shopping carts and things, put them together. And we get going down these super steep hills, like bobsledding in the Winter Olympics, and you get going down. All was fine until a wheel would pop off. And then it just, it was messy. But so here, Solomon's going down. He, he's just, he's cruising and then something happens. Take a look. Verses 1 and 2 of 1 Kings 11. It says, King Solomon, however, loved with his heart other things. It says that he gave his heart to other things, namely many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites, They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. We're told that Solomon had a heart devoted to God, and yet he also had a heart devoted to other things. He had a heart after God, and yet he had a heart after other things as well. It was a divided heart. And in verse 4 of 1 Kings 11, it tells us, as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, and the heart of David his fa- as the heart of David his father had been. You see, there was a slow fade. This wasn't something he just woke up one day and said, you know what, I'm going to forsake God, I'm going to set God over here, and I'm going to pursue other things. It just wasn't something he deliberately set out to do. And I don't think it's something that any of us deliberately set out to do. I was talking to one man uh, one time, uh, a long time ago, and, and uh, his, his decisions in life, this is a, a, an amazing godly man uh, leading uh, a church and, and leading a, a ministry. And, and uh, it, this, well, I'll just say who it is. It, you know, Jim Baker with PTL back in the, in the 80s and that, his right-hand man, the president of PTL, Richard Dorch, I had an opportunity to uh, spend a couple of hours. Dan and I had a couple uh, uh, hours to spend with Richard Dorch back in when my brother was pastoring in California. We were asked to pick him up at the airport and bring him from San Francisco down to San uh, Jose where my brother was pastoring. We had two hours in the car with this man who because of decisions he'd made in embezzling uh, 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 thousands and thousands of dollars from, from trusting people that ended up in jail and spent time in jail. And as we were driving from San Francisco down to San Jose, uh, we, we, we got talking about, about what had gone on. And, and you know, sorry, I, I don't mean to pry, but, you know, how did you get there from where you were at? And, and he looked at me as we were driving. I'll never forget this. We were driving down the interstate. He says, Darren, Dana, you got to believe me that there was never a day where I woke up and said, I'm going to turn away from God and make bad decisions. I never made a a conscious decision to embezzle money. I never made a conscious decision to forsake what God had. It was a slow fade. It was a series of small decisions that I made that were not of God. You see, Solomon was just the same as slow fade. 
He was slipping along, honoring God, serving God, leading God's people until the external influences opened him up little by little to things and practices and beliefs and priorities that were not of God. And I believe that small decisions that we make open us up, little by little, open us up to things that we were never intended to have influence in our lives. The purity of our hearts, the devotion of our hearts centered on God. This was a picture of Solomon's heart. Pure and committed and surrendered and then slowly and slowly it became polluted and defiled and tainted and it turned away from God. I know I have a bottle of water up here. It hasn't been opened. It's got, it's the, the top is sealed and I can open it up and I know that this is going to be fresh, pure, good water. And if you're thirsty, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to wait. That's great water. There is a bottle that looks just like that in the back seat of my car. Uh, it's been opened for a while. And you know why I know it's been opened is because it's half full or half empty if you're uh, a little negative. But anyways, it's, uh, it's, it's half full. And... Um, I don't think I would have the same confidence opening that up and having a drink knowing uh, the young um, teenage boys who have been in the backseat of my car over the last few weeks. And I don't know how long that bottle has been in the backseat of my car, but I know it might be pure, but chances are with the, the seal broken on top and half of it drank already, I, I don't have the same confidence that I do with this bottle. You see what I'm getting at? We know that this is pure. We know that this is undefiled. Why? Because it has a seal on it. Well, you see, we're called to honor God just like Solomon. But you have an enemy. We have an enemy. You're called to have a pure, undefiled heart of love and affection for God just like Solomon, but you have an enemy. So, so how do you combat this? How do you fight? How do you protect the purity of your heart? How do you guard your heart? You see, I believe it's an important daily practice. This isn't something that you just come and take care of on Sundays and hope to God that the rest of the week things are going to work out. This is a daily practice, a weekly discipline for each and every one of us. And I believe the Bible gives us some advice it gives us a lot of advice, but I want to hone in on a small, tiny verse in Proverbs chapter 4. You know, the Proverbs were written by Solomon. A lot of the Proverbs were written by Solomon. And, and here in Proverbs 4, we have this one little tiny verse that I believe exposes a little bit of, of what God wants for us when it comes to guarding our hearts. And here's what it says in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else... Above all else, guard your heart. Why? For everything you do flows from it. You know, if we were to get into the, the, the original language, the original Hebrew text, and, and find out what everything means, you know what everything means? Everything. Everything means everything. Everything flows from our hearts. It's the core of our being. And this is big. We're called to protect the boundaries of our heart. To guard the perimeter, to guard the border, to not let anything untoward inside. Because it will determine the quality 
of the output. We're called to be diligent. We're called to take care of it. It says garbage in, garbage out. Good stuff in, good stuff out. Any, any farmer would tell you that. Good crops, good nutrients, good conditions produce good fruit. Healthy and happy plants produce good fruit. Put good stuff in, you get good stuff out. It's true for orchards, it's true for vineyards, it's true for vegetable gardens. You see, this, it really isn't rocket science. Back in Jesus' day, He taught specifically on this. Look in Luke chapter 6. Luke 6, 43. This is Jesus teaching. He's telling those who were listening to Him at this, this point in His ministry, He said this, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. It's, it's just common sense. A tree is identified by its fruit. Get this, figs are never gathered from thorn bushes. And grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. You see, what's in the heart comes out. And an evil produ uh, person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Let me say that again. What you say flows from what is in your heart. It's a repetition of Proverbs 4. Everything flows from it. Everything that is produced comes from the core. It comes from your heart. Therefore, we need to protect what goes into our heart. You need to protect what goes into your heart. You know, I got thinking about this, this idea and, and this picture immediately came into my, my head. We uh, lived in Vancouver for a number of years uh, out on the west coast of Canada. And I tell you, um, as a kid, I remember going up to the, the, the faucet in the kitchen and opening it up. And, and even in the middle of summer, out of that faucet would come cold, fresh pure water. And this is out of the city water system. Uh, around here you go, city water? Oh my goodness. But you know, this is like fresh, some almost ice cold water coming out in the middle. You know why it was fresh ice cold water? Take a look at this picture. This is a lake, a reservoir that is overlooking the city of Vancouver. Uh, those are the lions, uh, those two mountains up at the, the end of that valley. And uh, this is one of three reservoirs. And in this reservoir, there's a, a dam at this close end. I think this picture was actually taken from the dam. If you were to turn the other way and look, you'd see the city laying right in front of you down uh, a few hundred feet below. This is a, a, about a 20-minute drive from downtown Vancouver. And you, you'll notice that... that there are trees and, and there are pristine vistas and what is lacking? There are no roads. There are no houses. There are no dog parks. This is an area that is called a watershed. And all of the city of Vancouver draws its drinking water from this lake and two other lakes just like it. 
You notice uh, that there's not a lot going on, even though, though that's very pristine land and very desirable land to build on and, and very pricey land, if you know kind of West Coast uh, real estate. That's expensive land, and yet some people years and years and years ago and a city since then has said, you know what, we value our drinking water so much that we are going to protect it. The reason why this came to mind is we would spend a lot of time up and around this area and we often wanted to go mountain biking in some great pristine forest, but we were met often with these signs. You see, just back from where that picture was taken, there are fences everywhere. And these fences will go out into the woods and, and, and even signs from, from mountain peak to mountain peak and from, from ridge to ridge. They don't let people in there. This is thousands and thousands and thousands of acres. You cannot get in. Why? Because, what does it say? Drinking water supply. Keep the area clean. You know, I got thinking about our hearts. I got thinking about signs like that that we need to start putting up around our hearts. You know, the things that we allow to enter in, the things that we open up our lives to. God's calling us to guard our hearts. How valuable is the output and the outflow from our hearts? So much so that God says, you need to put a fence around it. You need to guard your heart. You need to protect your heart. You see, our, our world, you don't have to go far to, to discover how messed up it is. And we are so close each and every day, each and every hour, each and every minute from, from things that want to come in and corrupt our heart. We have an enemy and the enemy would like nothing more than to corrupt the core of your heart. to defile it, to contaminate it. What I believe God is saying is, open your eyes and understand that this is important to me. Understand that this is important for you. This is important for the kingdom of God, for you to understand and to realize how important your heart is and that which flows out of it. And therefore... It's important for you to guard your heart. Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart. Everything else flows from it. What you say, what you do, what you believe, how you act, how you respond, the things that you value, everything flows from your heart. And you see, we, we, even if we understand it, we get going, okay, well, how can we manufacture the product without putting in the work? How can we still expose ourselves to all these things of the world, all this, this stimulus? How do we process all these things and still end up with a product that is glorifying to God and we, we feel like we, we can do like Solomon did and embrace things that are not of God and the things that are of God and still come up with something that's looking pure and holy and righteous? And it's like, almost like it's as seen on TV. You know, you can have abs of steel, like Pastor Darren, yeah, don't laugh too hard. You can have abs of steel for like 15 minutes a day for four days and you got it down. Right? Dude, who doesn't want that? 
Like, come on, yes, I don't want to do the work. I don't want to put in the effort. I don't want to commit myself to this, you know, but, but hey, I'll just kind of mix it in my routine. I'll come up with this awesome product. It sounds foolish, and it is. To think that we can somehow manufacture, conjure this up. We try to get the results while allowing our bodies to be infused with things that are entirely contrary to the end results. We've been watching the Olympics. Uh, I don't know if you've been watching the Olympics the last few uh, days, coming up on a week. And uh, you see these athletes, and I tell you, they are motivated. But it's, it's amazing, because we only see them once every four years. And man, oh, look, they're just doing great. And, and I don't know, in the back of our minds, do we think they just got up off the couch eating Doritos and, and, and Slurpees for the last four years? They just got up off the, off the couch, strapped on the speed skates and went and did a world record? No, these people have been working. We haven't seen them, but they've been working for four years, if not longer. Some of them, this is their third and their fourth Olympics. They've been working at it for 20 years. Preparing for this event. How do we think that, that we can go in and, and perform at our optimum, something that's glorifying to God without preparation? So in the first service, it was amazing that, that so there's this uh, rivalry between the Canadian and the, and the, and the American uh, women's uh, ice hockey teams. And, and they were interviewing a couple uh, girls from the, the American hockey team. And if you know anything about, about the last uh, Olympics in Russia and, and how the American uh, uh, women's hockey team uh, lost the gold medal and the Canadians, uh, you know, God's team won. Um, sorry, but anyways... <laughs> Yeah, it just comes out. See, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Just, just write me off. No, so anyways, uh, they're interviewing these girls and they're like, so, you know, uh, tell us about this game that's coming up with the Canadians. And, and, and these two girls, they, they, they said, not a day has gone by where we haven't been thinking about this game. Not a day. And they started talking about the decisions we make, the food we eat, the, the places we go. One of them said, the, the guys we date. We, we make a decision in life based on what this end result is because everything is focused on this rematch that's coming up. Boy, if only we could be that dedicated and committed to guarding our hearts and preparing ourselves for the battle that we're in each and every day. And all you gotta do is turn on the TV. All you gotta do is pull up some apps on your, on your phone. All you have to do is, is, is see what's in, in commercial advertising. All you gotta do is listen to the news and you know that there's junk out there that's, that's aimed directly at your heart. What we're called a simple verse, a simple concept, that we're called to is to guard our heart, to pay attention to your heart. I believe it's something that's so important that God wants us to do. We're told, called to set up the fence. You know, there are tons of symptoms. Tons of symptoms in life, tons of symptoms in our hearts. And if we were to just take a, a quick inventory, some of those symptoms would be anger and animosity. I think if you're here this morning and, and anger is something that defines you, chances are you've been opening up your heart to some things that are not of God. Fear and worry. 
anxiety. Are you an anxious person? Are you a person who's always fearful of the next thing, the worst thing that could happen? Venture to say that if that's the case, there's parts of your heart that are open to the enemy's attacks. I think when it comes to self-hatred, like Emma was talking about earlier, how could God love me? How could God desire me? How could God, you know, there's a book that's sitting on my shelf. I love the title of it. It's a, it's, it's a book about Jesus. And the, the line under it is, A Stranger to Self-Hatred. It's like, oh man. You know, chances are, if you can't prize what God has created, you've opened up your heart to some things that are not of God. Maybe addictions. Maybe selfishness. Whatever it is, if we were to take an inventory, I believe those things that we discover would identify some areas that we've opened up and allowed the enemy to come in. You see, these are all symptoms of contamination. Paul in Galatians 5, he, he, I love this part of Scripture where, where Paul says, you know what, it, 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 the, the things that contaminate, when contamination is present, it's obvious. It's obvious because the, the results are sexual immorality and impurity, idolatry, hostility, quarreling. He has this list. He goes on to say jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, division, envy, drunkenness. These are the results. This is evidence that there's contamination in your heart. Then he steps on and he says, you know what? Likewise, there's evidence of when your heart is pure. And there's evidence of, of the work of God in, in cleaning it up and redeeming it and making it, making it whole and clean again. And when those, those contaminants are eliminated, the results are obvious. And he goes on to list nine things. He says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the things that flow out of a heart that is free from contaminants. And hear me, it's not something we just conjure up, buy off the store as seen on TV 15 minutes a day and we got these rock hard abs. And we got the results that we want without putting it. No. Likewise, it's, it, it's got to be a move of God in our lives. It's something He does. Something that He changes and He transforms. The power of His Holy Spirit at work within us. I invite you to bow your heads. I want us to take a quick inventory. I want you to ask a question to the Lord. And I want you to not just ask it, but I want you to listen to the answer. I want you to ask the Lord, what are the defining marks of your heart? Lord, what are the defining marks of my heart? What, what's the outflow? What am I producing in my heart? Be honest. I'm not going to ask you to write it down. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and shout it out or anything like that. This is between you and God. 
but of anger or fear or addictions, selfishness, vanity, pride, self-hatred, if those are defining your heart, the output of your heart, know this, that God is here to change that. And He wants to make a clean sweep and He wants to remove the contaminants and He wants to put that fence up around your heart and build it stronger and stronger and stronger each day. You can do it. Not in your own strength, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. But you've got to give Him permission. You've got to say, yes, God, come and do that. First of all, Lord, come and clean my heart. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me, Lord. And then, Lord, help me set up the boundaries. Help me set that fence and put those signs up and, and protect my heart. That the product that I produce, the things that I produce, the product would be pleasing to You, Lord. Come Holy Spirit, do Your work. Do Your work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm inviting you to stand. Let's stand together. I'm inviting our altar team to come to the front. There's a few things, a few tips that I'd like to leave you with. Things that you can use, some concrete tools in guarding your heart. The first one is this, get into the Word of God. Get into Scripture. If you don't have a Bible, see one of the pastors, we can put one in your hand after the service. Uh, pull it up on your phone. There's tons of uh, uh, applications, uh, electronic applications. Get into the Word. It's a reading plan on a daily basis. Fill your heart with the Word of God. Make it a priority. If you're not reading, if you're not, if you're not getting into Scripture, make it a priority. Second thing, spend time talking to God. And, and let's not just do this shopping list of, okay, God, I'd like this, and I'd like this, and I'd like this, and I'd like this. And I'd like this. Save that for part B. Part A, can you just say, good morning, God? Or, hi, God, it's the end of the day, and I'm, I'm getting ready to go to bed, and... and, and uh, just want to hang out with you for a few minutes and just have a conversation with him. God, I'm feeling frustrated about this. God, I, I didn't do a good job at guarding my heart today. God, would you come in and do a work? Would you just open up this conversation, make it a priority? Prayer. Third one, when God nudges you and when God speaks to you, um, would you do this? Um, there's a shoe company that picked up on this, but I believe it's biblical. Do it. Just do it. When God nudges, when God tells you, just do it. When God says, no, I don't want you to go to that R movie. I don't want you to go hang out at that place. I, don't, I, I want you to, you know, I'd prefer you steer clear from some of those people who aren't as, as good of an influence in your life. Do it. And see what happens. And then the fourth thing, and I think is, is, it doesn't trump them all, but I think it just puts them all in perspective. And this is, don't underestimate the supernatural power of a, a, of a living God. 
Don't underestimate what God can do and will do in your life. Just ask Him. Just say, God, I need a miracle. I need you to come in and I, just, I need this sword and settle and I can't do it on my own. Would you come? And when you surrender your life to Him and when you give your life to Him and you, you just give Him the green light, don't underestimate the amazing supernatural power of God. And that's my prayer is that, that before you leave this place this morning, you'd simply open up your heart to Him and say, God, help me with this. I know it's, it's important. And I want to make it important in my life as well. So our altar team's up here at the front. We're going to worship a little bit before we dismiss. We'll dismiss in just a few moments. But if we can pray with you or provide some ministry, why don't you step out and come on up to the front before we're dismissed. All right, God bless.